You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Knowing God, Part 6. Enjoy. We're going to get right into the Word. We come at Highway Church to eat. We're not interested in being entertained. I mean, that's fun. I like entertainment. But we need to eat this morning. We need revelation from heaven. We need the bread of life. We need fresh, hot Jesus. That's what churches are to be serving, fresh Jesus. He said, in fact, I wanted to share that, but he said this in John uh, 6.57. He said, as the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. How do you feed on Jesus? You meditate on everything he said and did, and you take it as truth because it is. You take him at his word and you meditate on it until it becomes your reality. Until it becomes stronger in you than your past, than what you've been through, or your current circumstances. That's how you eat him. You meditate on who he is, what he's done for you, and who you've become through faith in him. We're doing a series right now called Knowing God. And I want to encourage you to get the message from last week. Uh, Go to highwaychurch.us. It's all free. You can put that up there, Eden, highwaychurch.us, and you just click on the podcast button, which is the orange button on your right. If you don't have an Apple device, that's the button you use. You can use it if you do, too. That works for any device, and that will take you to our podcast page. If you have an Apple device, you want to use iTunes, you can click on the iTunes. But we publish these. They're free, and the reason we do it is because we want you to eat and to be strong in the reality of what Christ has done for you. So last week we said knowing God, to know God, is to go through life with an unshakable confidence, no fear. To know God's protection, that's what we talked about last week. Knowing knowing God's safety and protection, and we, we tied together Psalm 23 and Psalm 91. Please eat it up, it's free. Eat it, eat it, eat it. This week we want to start by saying to know God is to experience his salvation. To know God is to experience, not look at it from a distance, not be waiting for it someday when you get to heaven, but to experience it daily in your life. And we're going to start in Proverbs 29, 18. As you turn there or flip there or click there, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, You are our teacher. You are the one who reveals Christ to us. And we ask you as as new creations in Christ to flood the eyes of our heart with the light of Christ. That we would understand more so who Jesus is, what he's done for us and who we are in him. Or if there are those listening who do not know you yet, who they can become through simple faith in you. Minister to our hearts that we would know and understand the confidence of your calling upon our lives, that we would know and understand the riches of our inheritance, that we would know and understand the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of the resurrection power of Christ that is in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you relying on the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you talking to him during the day? Are you listening to his, his leadership in your life? That's, what, that's when life gets really good, when you're hearing the Holy Spirit lead and guide you through the decisions you make. 
You weren't meant to go through life on your own. You were meant to go through life in union with God's Spirit. Okay? Proverbs 29, 18. Is that what I said? That's the one anyway. Proverbs 29, 18. Now, you've got your religious goggles off because we're going to unveil some things today like we normally do. Might be a little shocking, but it's all good. All right? You might be surprised to find how much of the actual gospel you haven't heard. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I, I know this scripture is used oftentimes in leadership meetings or, or conferences and talking about an organization needing a vision, and it's certainly that principle is true. But I want to look at this verse in the context that it's written. The Bible is so powerful, there's the context of what the scripture is saying, but there are oftentimes are many more principles you can grab from it. Okay, but we're going to look at the context of this scripture. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That word vision in the Hebrew is Strong's number 2377. And most of the appearances of this word vision uh, are in the prophetic books. The prophetic books. What is the role of a prophet? To reveal God to mankind. To speak the word of the Lord, Right? Hazan, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but this word almost always signifies a means of divine revelation in the scriptures. When you see this word, Hazan, in the Hebrew, it almost always signifies a means, a way of obtaining divine revelation. Okay? Understanding the definition, let's put that up there with the definition in it. Where there is no means of a divine revelation, the people perish. Now we're getting warm. Starting to see where we're going. What this verse is really saying. Where there is no means of a divine, a revelation of God, the people perish. Let's look at the Amplified translation. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. Now we're getting hotter. There's no, where there's no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. What does redemptive mean? The dictionary simply says to save from evil. To save from evil. What are we talking about? Where there is no revelation of God's salvation, the people perish. You following me? Put that up there with the definition. Uh, revelation of God's salvation. Next one. Yeah. Where, oh, I'm sorry. Yep. Where there is no means, no way of obtaining... The revelation of God's salvation, the people perish. What does the word perish mean? The dictionary means to suffer death. In the Hebrew, it's Strong's 6544. This word means to be exposed to danger. To be exposed, to suffer destruction. Are you tracking with me? Yes. Now let's put up it with all the definitions in it. I think you have another one, right? Yep. Where there is no means 
no way of obtaining the revelation of God's salvation, the people are exposed to danger and death. This is heaven, isn't it? This is from heaven. I love when the Holy Spirit unveils Christ to us. Where there is no means, no way of obtaining the revelation of God's salvation, the people are exposed to danger and death. It is vitally important that all of us have a way of obtaining a means in our lives of obtaining the revelation of God's salvation. Now, God has three primary means for getting the revelation of his salvation to us. Number one, his word. Now, I'm so excited about my new Bible. just got a few weeks ago. But I want you to know that before this was ever published, the word is. Who is the word? John 1.1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the expression of the Father's heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speak. Words are expressions of the heart. Jesus is the expression of the Father's heart. So you can take my brand new Bible and throw it in clear pond or, or, or burn it, and it doesn't change anything. The Word of God cannot be stopped. It cannot be changed because the Word of God is a person, and His name is Jesus, right? Now, if you want to experience God, you have to understand He always starts with His Word. Now, this is the written Word of God. It's a supernatural book written and inspired by the Holy Spirit through the hands of men. But God always starts with His Word, and many people are trying to experience God's salvation. They're trying to receive from God, but they're not receiving His Word. And it can't happen any other way. He sent His Word and healed them. Where's that at? Psalm what, 107? Verse 20, something like that. He sent his word and healed them. So you have to understand how God operates. It's always with his word first. Always. With, there's no exception to that. Isn't it good? See, God is reliable. So I know if I want to experience God, I need his word in my life. Or there's no experiencing him. That's why I, I, I encourage you regularly to get a hard copy Bible. Simply because, uh, well, many reasons. One of them, you can see, just see so much more information at a glance than on a device. And you don't have to be doing this, and it's no batteries. And, but you can, and you'll get to know the Word so much better if you get a hard copy Bible because you'll start connecting things. You'll start remembering, okay, that's over here, and that's over there. I don't have all my marks in this yet, but you can see i got a bunch of lines here and notes. and Right? That's what happens. You read the Holy Spirit will unveil Christ to you, and you go, ooh, you get your pen or your highlighter, and you just write it down. And you're, you're listening to messages, and you're going through your hard copy Bible and marking and writing things down. That's how you get to know him, okay? Um, well, we don't have time for that. We'll move forward. The second means of God getting his revelation to you, first is his word. The second is his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Many in the church are afraid of the Holy Spirit. They don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. They teach people he kind of went away after the first generation church, but he hasn't. He came and he stayed and he's here. Remember, the book of Acts is the only book in the Bible that's still being written. 
right? Just like Jesus uh, ascended, the Holy Spirit came, he's here now. We're an Acts church, okay? So the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, in fact, you might think, boy, it'd be great if Jesus was standing beside me. But he said, it'd be better for you if you have the Holy Spirit in you. Didn't he tell his disciples that? Why? Because the Holy Spirit, he said, will lead you into all truth. He'll reveal to you what is to come. John 16, 13, right? So the Holy Spirit. Now, the third one is the one we're going to talk to about. His church. The third means that God has of imparting the revelation of his salvation to you and to mankind is through his church. Talking about the body of Christ, not a building. Okay? Now, the thing about the church, though, the church is made up of people, right? People that make mistakes. There's only one perfect, Jesus, right? And people who can choose to believe whatever they want to believe. Because all of us have free will. So I can choose to believe something that I hear, even if it's not true. But to me, it'll seem true. Not because it is true, but because I believe it. So what I believe doesn't determine truth, but what I believe does determine how much of truth I'm going to experience. Did you get that? Because truth is not a philosophy. Truth is not a religion. Truth is a person. Jesus, the person of God. You understand what I'm saying? He's not an idea. He's not a concept. He's living. He's breathing. He's at the right hand of the Father. So I can believe things about Jesus that aren't true that will keep me from experiencing him. If you believed my name was Wayne McGillicuddy and you were calling me, hey, McGillicuddy, I wouldn't even turn around because that's not my name. But someone told you it was and you believe them and you're speaking it and calling it and nothing's happening. We're going to see today that salvation is largely unknown in the body of Christ. The revelation of God's salvation. Stay with me. So the church is made up of people. Satan's target isn't Jesus. It isn't the Holy Spirit. He can't touch him. It's the church. People who are born again. People who have put their faith in Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit inside of them. We're his target. God has set this up so that the revelation of his salvation comes through you and me. God came to earth once as a man. He's not going to do it again. The second time Jesus comes, we're out of here. Okay, he's not going to do any, there's not going to be a, a, a preaching, teaching, healing ministry like he had before in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. We're here now. We are his co-heirs, his co-laborers to do what he did in the earth. Okay? Let's go to Acts chapter 10. This is fascinating. Are we still awake? You're not playing a game on your phone, are you? All right, good. You can do that later. This will change your life. Acts chapter 10. Hallelujah. God has chosen man to reveal the revelation of his salvation. Not angels. Not any other creature. 
We're made in his image, right? Verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea named Willie McGillicuddy. Nope. No, called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So this man was not a Hebrew. Under the old covenant, he was not one of God's people. Very important to note that. In the new covenant, anyone can become part of God's family through faith in Christ. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, where there's no vision, people perish, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, that's about, let's see, 6 a.m., it's about 3 p.m., an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. So you're getting this? This is an actual account of a man's life. An angel from heaven, from God, appears to him. And when, when Cornelius looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? He said unto him, Your prayers and your alms, those are gifts to the poor, are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, 30-some miles away, no automobiles, looking at a two-day's journey. And call for one, another, another person, another man, called Simon, whose surname is Peter, an apostle, a minister of the gospel. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He, this guy that's 30-some miles away, a two-day journey, he's going to come two more days, so about four days, it's going to take for this to happen. He's going to come all the way from Joppa, and he's going to tell you what you ought to do. Now, I don't know if you like project planning. It would seem more efficient if the angel just told Cornelius what to do, wouldn't it? I mean, he's right there. No expense, no travel, no, no, no four-day wait. Why doesn't he tell him? He can't. God gave authority over the earth to man, and he never took it back. That's why people don't understand why bad things happen in the world, because God's not in control of the earth. That's not, a, that's not disrespectful to God anyway. It's an acknowledgment of his sovereignty. In his sovereignty, he gave authority to man over the earth. Satan stole that authority through the fall. Romans 5, 17, I forget what translation it is, says he seized the sovereignty. And that's why bad things are happening in the earth. If God was in control, if God had his way, there wouldn't be one crime. There wouldn't be uh, a one poor person. There wouldn't be one sick person. But God doesn't have his way in the earth. That's why Jesus said, pray for his will to be done in the earth, just as it is in heaven. If it was done automatically, we wouldn't have to pray for it. Boy, how the things that, that people have believed about God that simply aren't true because they have heard wrong things and chose to believe them. So... Verse 7, the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed. He called two of his household servants. So two employees, right? He had a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Two-day journey. How many people? Three people? So he's got to you know, provide the, the animals if they rode. He's got to provide the food, the clothing. There's an expense involved here. But is it worth it to know God? Absolutely. Now, we don't have time to go back, but you know what happened? They came to, to the house where Peter was staying. Peter came with them, and Peter preached the gospel to them. And they received the Holy Spirit 
just like the 120 did in the upper room. How did they know they received the Holy Spirit? What does it say in Acts uh, chapter 10? They began to speak in tongues. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. I know that hasn't been taught, but it's true anyway. Don't settle for anything less than the book of Acts. This is not a religious debate. I want Jesus. Jesus said to his apostles, who he privately, personally trained for over three years, don't go anywhere until you're clothed with power from on high. Yet we have so many believers today who haven't even understood that or believed that or aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit and trying to be witnesses for God. Come on, it's time to pray in the Spirit. Paul said, I pray with the understanding and I pray in the Spirit. You got to do both. Your understanding is limited. Your spirit is connected to God. It's a perfect connection. It will pray things that your mind will have to catch up to. Don't, uh, we, I made a post on our Highway Church Facebook page, I think yesterday, or uh, from Joseph Prince Ministries regarding praying in the Spirit. I highly encourage you to check it out. Okay, Praying in the Spirit will change your life. That's why there's so much controversy around it. Satan doesn't want you to pray in other tongues. Okay? That's why there's so much confusion around the whole thing. Do it. Receive from the Lord the provision of His power that He's given you. All right, let's see. We're going to move forward here to make up time. Okay. So the church is God's means for the revelation of His salvation in the earth. Satan's goal then would be to silence the church, right? Why? He wants, he wants man to be exposed to suffering and death, right? Jesus told us Satan's game plan, his MO, stealing, killing, and destroying, John 10, 10, right? So Satan knows if man gets a hold of the revelation of God's salvation, they'll be safe from his attacks. We're going to see this. Stay with me. We're going to look at Jesus. He's undeniable when you read his words. Don't take my word for it. So what does Satan want to do? If the revelation of God's salvation keeps us safe, like Proverbs 29, 18 said, then Satan wants to cover the revelation of God's salvation. You understand what the word revelation is? We talk about that. It's not some weird spooky word. It's revealed. Uncovered, yes. When the truth about who God is uncovered in your heart through His Word and by His Spirit, okay? It's not a strange thing. It's how we're meant to live. When Adam fell, he fell from revelation to education. God made us to live by revelation, a revealing of Himself, not by trying to figure it out with your five senses. You'll never get there. Okay, so... Satan's objective, and we're going to look through history. We're going to go to the fall all the way to the present day. We're going to do it kind of quickly. Satan's objective was to dilute, to twist, and to cover God's love for you, God's provision for you, God's healing power that's been extended to you, God's spirit that's been provided for you. He's been trying to cover that and keep you from receiving it so he can steal from you and ultimately destroy you. Mark chapter 7, I got so much rolling around the inside of me. Come on, tongue, catch up. Two primary vehicles that Satan has used is religion and tradition. I'm not trying to step on any toes, but we got to get to the bottom of this. It's time to be free. 
It's time to put away the ideas of man and grab a hold of Jesus and go. Jesus said this in Mark 7, 13. This is in the Darby translation. He said, you are making void the word of God. Some translations say, you've made it of no effect. I thought God's word was perfect in power. It is. But he made us in his image. And the only way a human being can truly experience it is when that word enters our heart and we believe it. You have to believe it. He said, you've made, you've making the word of God void by your traditional teaching. You're making the word of God of no effect in people's lives by your traditional teaching. That wakes me up. That makes me say, wait a minute. What have I been listening to? I don't care if I've been going to a church 50 years. I'm going to listen. What am I really hearing? Does it line up with the person and ministry of Jesus with the book of Acts? Or has it been diluted and watered down? I want to be, I want to be in, in, in the center of his plan and purpose. I don't, want, I don't want to be up in peanut heaven trying to see what he's doing with my binoculars. So the history, this is a fascinating study. We're going to do it in about, I don't know, four minutes here, five minutes. But to study throughout history from Adam till present day, and I've done this in a spreadsheet that I have. It's very fascinating. The revelation of God's salvation to mankind and how, how that's been covered and twisted. and It's amazing. So when Adam fell, he fell from that revelation. He fell from that intimacy with God. Okay? And you'll see, if you look in the scriptures, how many books in the Bible? Do we know, guys? Old Testament, 66. How many in the Old Testament? 39, I think, right? And 27 in the New. Did I say that right? So 66 books. They are not in chronological order. You know that, right? They're grouped really by function and, and, and purpose of the, the document, the whole book. But if you look at the chronological order of the books, the older the book, the less revelation of God. Because after the fall, everything changed. Earth became the region of the shadow of death. Earth became a very dark place, still is today. But you can live in light Amen. Every, every, through faith in Christ. So, in fact, you, what's the oldest book in the Bible? Job. Job. It's the darkest book in the Bible. There, my hero, one of my heroes in the Bible is the only young man that did not have to, the only person in the book of Job that didn't have to repent before God. Elihu. Job and his friends, they had to repent because their, their understanding of God was dark. Yet many have taken some of the dark things that Job says and they'll say them at funerals. We shouldn't be going backwards to darkness but forward to Christ, right? So there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of dark understanding in Job that he had to repent for. If you want to get a, a better understanding of God, read what Elihu said. Now, this, are we okay? You're, you're, you're okay. Elihu said, I, 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 I let the older ones speak because I thought they would say some good things. I'm paraphrasing here. 
But I've learned that wisdom doesn't come with age. It comes by the Spirit of God. Revelation. That might be frustrating to some. I've spent all these years studying and I want respect. No, wisdom comes with revelation. God gets all the glory for any wisdom we have. (laughs) Come on, don't you want to give God glory? Don't let pride keep you from experiencing him. He gets all the glory. Man has become so prideful with his education. We need revelation. I've met people who, who've got more degrees than I could ever remember and don't know God from, a, from I don't know, Barney the dinosaur. He's, that's a second shout out to Barney we've had in the last month. I don't know why that is. I guess, yeah. So we're going to fast forward to the New Testament, okay? And you'll see that, the, that John the Apostle's writings are the most current. I think from like 80 to 95 A.D. Revelation was around 95 A.D., okay? So you go from Job all the way to John, you're going to see there's a light progressively opening, clearer understanding of God, right? Clearer understanding of his will. Obviously, when Jesus came into the earth, he was the will of God. Jesus is the revelation of God's salvation, right? Okay? What's interesting to note, though, uh, after the apostles went to heaven, from about, you know, 100 A.D. to about 300 A.D. Things were changing in the earth. And if you look from 300 A.D. all the way to the 1500s, things got darker and darker in the earth. The understanding of God's salvation, what salvation really means, and we're going to look at it in the Scriptures, you might be shocked, got darker and darker and darker. Okay? This wasn't that long ago. 1500s, that's just 500 years. The church progressively, it didn't happen at once, the church began preaching the traditions of men instead of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And you'll look at the world got darker and darker and darker until about 1382. Do you remember that, 1382? Where were you in 1382? That's when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. No. 1382... Something very significant happened that changed the world forever. The first translation of the Bible into English was done in 1382. Anyone know who did that? Bill Belichick. No. 1382. John Wycliffe. I want to read you a little excerpt about John Wycliffe to kind of give you this perspective of the revelation. So God's trying to get his revelation into mankind. But the church is preaching traditions of men instead of Jesus. Okay? So John, who was, I guess from what I've read, was one of the most famous priests of his day. In fact, he was the chaplain to the king of England. Wow. And he fearlessly spoke out against the errors of the popes. The organ, he spoke out against the errors of the popes, the organizational hierarchy of the Roman church, and the corruption of the clergy in his day. That's a bold man. He criticized not only the organization. I don't feel so bad when I read about John Wycliffe. <laughs> he criticized not only the organization of the medieval church, because we're, we're, not, we're not down on people, 
we're down on dark ideas of God, right? And we want to expose those so people can be free. So he, he criticized not only the organization of the medieval church, but its theology as well, and argued for a return to the scriptures. Why? Because they left them. They had better ideas. Eh, not. Right? They left the revelation of Christ that we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Passion for the word of God burned in his heart. Hello, John Wycliffe. He knew that if the people in England, New England, were to know the truth, they would be set free from religious shackles. And religious shackles are the heaviest shackles you can ever put on. Even the Bible itself needed to be liberated. I'm just reading from this article. It's called It Took, Takes Only a Spark. Even the Bible itself needed to be liberated. Where was I here? For in the days of John Wycliffe, the scriptures were literally chained to the pulpit. How symbolic is that? You're putting a chain on the Bible, and they were, read it, they were permitted to be read only by the educated clergy. This is so contrary to Jesus, it ain't funny. He said the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Not the clergy will guide you into all truth. Right? We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. So, Wycliffe reasoned that they must have the word of God. This is a huge undertaking. In their own language. Never done before. They, the people of England, his home country, they've got to have the Bible in their own language under his direction. The Bible was translated into English for the first time, 1382. Actually, the job wasn't, he, he didn't complete it in his lifetime. It was completed by his associates in 1395, 11 years after his death. That changed everything. 1382, you with me? So about a hundred, so it takes time now for that to get around, for people to speak and preach it, for people to believe it. That takes time. Generations. Fast forward about a hundred years into the 1500s, and a guy gets a hold of the scriptures named Martin Luther. Ever heard of him? And in 1517, he sends an email to the church with 95 points, right? The famous email from Martin Luther in 1517. But what's interesting about Martin Luther, five years later in 1522, he did something that is astounding. He translated the New Testament into German in 11 weeks. That's a hot ticket right there, huh? Wow. Okay. Then, that was 1522. In 1525, William Tyndale, the printing press, I think, started around 1450. So about 70 years later, William Tyndale produced the first printed Bible in English. That's it, devil. That's the last thing the devil wanted. Why? Because in here is the revelation of God's salvation. And anyone that tells you anything different than what Jesus demonstrated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, don't you believe them? Go with Jesus. I'm so excited. Isn't this good? It's good to know our history, right? 
So the 1500s, from 1382 into the 1500s, things began to explode. The established church began to be rocked and shaken. People began to leave it. People began to read the scriptures for themselves. They couldn't do that before. People began to put their faith in Christ instead of the clergy. People began to realize the things they were told are not in line with Jesus. And then we go into the 1600s, and now we've had over 100 years of the word spreading in the earth, and the light began to open up. It takes time. you got to hear it and hear it and hear it. And if you look at the 1600s, the Dark Ages, that's what brought the end of the Dark Ages was the Bible getting into people's hands. The 1600s, 1700s, you look at the inventions and the progress that was made after the Bible was released to people, it's astounding. Why? Because where there's a revelation of God's salvation, the people don't perish, they flourish. That's why we're so thankful for America, because it's a country that is built on the principle that God made us free. That's a right no one can take away. And we're made in his image, we need that freedom to know him. And that was one of the tricks, uh, the plans of dictators, if you study history, to silence the church to take over the church and tell them, you say what we say to say. Right. right? But Jesus is the revelation of God's salvation. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Said all that to get to this point. What is God's salvation? Be good to know if we're going to experience it, right? Let's let Jesus tell us, not a clergy. Okay? What is salvation? The last thing that Satan wanted was for Jesus to come in the earth because he's the revelation of God's salvation. In fact, knowing that Jesus is the revelation of God's salvation, let's put Proverbs 29, 18 up there with a definition with Jesus in it. Where there is no revelation of Jesus, the people perish. Where there's no revelation of who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. Those are the three things we emphasize at Highway Church. That's, right. that's, our, that's our heart. That's our focus. Who he is, what he's done for us. The people are exposed to danger and death. Just leave that up there. For a little, just read that a little bit. Where there is no revelation, no understanding, no clear vision no knowledge of who Jesus is, what he's done for us. This is a JJB paraphrase, by the way. That's me. And who we are in him, the people are exposed to danger and death. Jesus is the true knowledge of God. He's the exact representation of God. He came to earth and he, he demonstrated to us clearly what God's salvation is. Satan is trying to keep you from experiencing as little Jesus as possible. Yeah. He, he doesn't, I mean, if you got 1%, that's more than he wants you to have. If you study church history, you'll find out that's about sometimes all they had. <laughs> they, because of the traditions they were teaching, they had such a little Jesus in their teachings yeah. and a whole lot of man's ideas. And people were suffering as a result. So let's go to the knowledge of God. Let's go to Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 16. Listen, your religious goggles got to be off. Your religious earbuds have to be out. You got to hear this with your heart. 
Let's understand the revelation of God's salvation. Here he is in person in the earth. Verse 16, for God so loved That's a revelation right there, right? For God so loved the world. He's not angry at it. He's not judging it. He's not mad at it. He loves people. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, this is available to anybody, whosoever believes in him should not, what? What's perish mean? To be exposed to danger. To be exposed to your enemy. Who's our enemy? Satan. That those who believe would not be exposed to Satan, (laughs) but have everlasting life. Now look under your chair. Get your can of dereligification spray. Pick it up, and let's spray the word everlasting. You ready? Shake it. Going to shake it for a few seconds. What is everlasting? Or some translations say eternal life. That's a word that needs to be dereligified. It's been taught traditionally wrong. Not talking about going to heaven. Not talking about going to heaven. Jesus defined eternal life for us, remember? John 17, 3. It's knowing God intimately as a wife knows her husband. John 17, 3. You study it out. That's eternal life. If you have that, you will go to heaven. But it's a now, it's a quality of life that is for you now that is not available or possible in any other way but through faith in Jesus. It's a quality of life for you now. It's nonstop life. Now, let's read verse 17 in the Amplified. Stay with me. Don't tune out. If you hear something that challenges your beliefs, don't throw it away. Look at Jesus. Say, Jesus, is this you? Go home and study it. Open up Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Read them five times. Seriously. Come on, man. Your life depends on this. Get Jesus in you. The greatest day of my life was when God opened my eyes and I came to know him. As I've been taught a lot of things that I found were very contrary to Jesus. Hallelujah. 17, for God did not send the Son into the world. Here's another revelation. (laughs) To judge. So we certainly shouldn't be doing it, right? The church is not the judge of the world. Are we? Have we superseded Jesus? Do we have some higher purpose? I don't think so. To judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world but that the world might find salvation. Here it is. And be made what? Safe and sound. I mean, that's a misprint or something. Be made safe and sound. I mean, have you heard the news lately? Did Jesus fail? Nope. This is available to anyone, but you have to believe it. God's protection and safety are available to anyone, but you've got to know it's for you like you know your name. That's what faith is. What is that word salvation in the Greek? Anybody know? Sozo, S-O-Z-O. There are two words in the Greek in the New Testament used for saved and salvation. Sozo and soteria. You want to know what they mean? It's really good. Leave that scripture up there. 
They mean to protect. We're talking about revelation of God's salvation. Don't fall asleep yet. We're almost done. To protect. To preserve. To deliver. To make whole. To be safe and sound. That's what salvation means. To be safe and sound. Are you saved? See, now I was kind of told, you know, even after I came, came into a, a Bible teaching church that being saved was a, meaning you're going to go to heaven someday. That's not scriptural. <laughs> I love saying this stuff. People just want to, what? Jesus didn't teach that. Oh, oh boy, now we're in trouble. He taught God's salvation. To be safe and sound, to be whole. Of course you'll go to heaven if you're saved. Now, God's salvation covers every part of us, spirit, soul, and body. See, there's devils that are mad that I'm saying this out loud. And they're going to try and pull you away from this. Don't let them do it. You study Jesus. They don't want you to be whole. God came so that man could be whole, spirit, soul, and body. He came so that we could be protected in this evil world and fulfill our destiny. So that's partly true, being saved. Yes, I'm going to heaven if I'm saved. Because God not only saved me physically, emotionally, my soul, he saved my spirit from the curse of sin. So yes, I'll go to heaven. But you look and see, we're going to look here in a moment, how many times did Jesus say that to people when he ministered to them? Okay, you can go to heaven. I can't find one. Can you? He talked about your now reality. He's a now God. He's not a someday maybe God. He wants to bless you now. He wants to be involved in your life today. He wants you to experience his salvation now. This is good. So we need to de-religify that word. Let's look at Jesus, then we're done. Let's look at a couple of examples. There's one in Mark and one in Acts. So Satan has diluted this definition of being saved, of salvation, to be some futuristic thing we don't know when. And don't, don't get me wrong, heaven is the most glorious blessing we could ever hope to obtain. Thank God, if that's all, if that's all, that Jesus did for us, that's more than we can ever be grateful for. We would have cause to celebrate every moment for the rest of eternity. So I'm not belittling that at all. What I'm trying to do is pull you away from traditional teaching into the reality of God's salvation, which is for you today. Mark chapter 5. We don't have time to read through it all. We'll just hit the high spots. But you know this testimony. I encourage you to read Mark chapter 5 over and over and over and over again. You've got a woman who's perishing, who's exposed to the enemy. She's been suffering for 12 years. She's not in heaven. She's on earth. There's no suffering in heaven. You don't need healed in heaven. There's no danger there. You don't need protection in heaven. There's no devils allowed there. We need the salvation of God here on the earth. This is where the danger is. Can you imagine if we sent troops into harm's way, but told them all of your gear is going to be here waiting for you when you get back? That's how, that's how foolish traditional teaching is. God has provided protection for you now in the midst of harm's way. 
We're in enemy territory now. We need his salvation now. I need Jesus to be a shield around me now. Not in heaven. Isn't this simple? If I'm sending someone into harm's way, if, I, if I'm a good, loving leader, I'm going to protect them and give them what they need to succeed on their mission. Why would we ever teach God would do any less? So this woman is suffering. You imagine 12 years bleeding, suffering, spent everything she had on physicians and got no better. She's now rejected. She can't go out into society. She, she couldn't be out in public. She had to be hurting, probably very weak. But what happened? Somewhere along the line, she heard about Jesus. What? That she could go to heaven? No. no. That he heals people. Blind people are coming to lame people, maimed people. He raises the dead. What was she hearing? The revelation of God's salvation, which was going to bring her out of perishing into life. She heard the revelation of God's salvation, and here's what she said in verse 28. She said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. That's what the King James says. Anyone else have another translation? I shall be saved. What's that word for whole? Sozo. I shall be saved, not go to heaven, healed in my body. This is earth-shaking if you haven't heard this before. Even if you haven't, it's good to hear it again and again and again and again. I shall be whole if I touch them because that's who he is. He's the God of wholeness. Sozo. Same word used in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, uh, God raised the dead, you will be sozo. You want to do a, a study, a little change your life, study the word sozo and soteria in the Greek in the New Testament. Get yourself a strong concordance and go through every uh, use of that word in the New Testament. It will change your life. It's a now wholeness. So she touches Jesus and look what he says to her. Go to that verse, verse what? 34. He said to her daughter, someday you're going to be with me in heaven. I don't know when exactly, but until then, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to keep your condition because it's teaching you humility. My father put it on you. Why would we ever teach anything like that? How dark and evil is that? Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Guess what that word is? Soto. It's the Romans 10, 9 and 10 word. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, sozo. If you believe in your heart, wholeness. Wholeness. God's salvation is wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. John Wycliffe is in heaven right now saying, preach it, preach it. Right? Go in peace. Get your spray out. What's peace? Irene in the Greek. To be set at one again. To prosper. Right? He says, go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Put that up there in the Amplified. Your faith in me has restored you to sozo. Sozo is God's will for you. It's how he designed man. He designed you to be whole. 
Your faith has restored you. Your faith has saved you. What does that mean? You're healthy now. Go in. You got to make a choice. Enter into this wholeness, peace, and be continually healed. And freed from your distressing bodily disease. God's salvation. One more example, then we're done. Book of Acts, this is one of my favorites. I love Acts. It's so religious free in Acts. You got these men and women that are just believing Jesus and preaching it. It should have never changed. I want to bring it back. How about it? That's why we started this place. So in Acts chapter 3, you know the story, right? Peter says to the man who is crippled from his mother's womb, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk, right? I don't remember the exact verse there, or Jesus Christ heals you. I forget what he said. But now people are so amazed, this man they've seen day after day, who was lame from his mother's womb, he's, he, this minister of the gospel speaks a word to him, grabs him by the hand, and this crippled man gets up and he's leaping and walking and he's praising God and he goes into the temple. And the people are like, what happened? What? what just, did you see that? What just, wait, hey, what happened? And Peter says to him in verse 12 of chapter 3, he answers the people and he says, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or, or uh, excuse me, or why look so earnestly on us? as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. And the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified who? Jesus, right? Are we on that verse? Are you following along with me? I'm on verse 13. Where are you at? X. Did I skip something? Oh, I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. That's all right. We'll go to verse uh, 13 for me. Yeah, and Peter saw it. Uh, verse 13. Next one. There you go. God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified Jesus, his son Jesus. Okay, verse 16, for time's sake. Now here it is. Peter is going to explain to them what just happened. He's going to define salvation. I love the Bible. It takes you to a whole new place that you cannot get any other way. A whole new quality of life. Here's Peter, the apostle, defining salvation. If you want to know how this happened, he said, in his name, that's Jesus, in the name of Jesus, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in heaven. They're not in heaven. They're on earth where you live has given him this perfect soundness right here in front of you all. Now, we're going to fast forward. to He's going to hit the rest of his explanation in chapter 4, verse 9. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made, what's that word? Sozo. Anytime you see saved or salvation in your New Testament, it's either going to be sozo or soteria. Mean basically the same thing. If you want to know by what means he has been saved, 
Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, follow along with me there, Dana. There we go. Name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is salvation. This is the stone which was set at naught. He talks about Jesus, verse 12. He said, neither, well, let's read verse 11. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders. God's salvation was rejected. And it's rejected by churches today for the sake of their traditional teaching. How sad and tragic. Verse 12, neither is there salvation. What's that word? Soteria, in this case, same, same definition, basically. Neither is there soteria in any other. Is he talking about anyone going to heaven? What is the context? You'll hear people say you've got to keep things in context, and you do. What is the context of his argument? A physical human being who is crippled is now healthy. Is that not the context? Am I stretching this? Am I trying to create some new doctrine? We're keeping things in context. He's talking about a man that, that he preached the gospel to who was made whole. He said, there is, uh, excuse me, there, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, that's where we're at, right, given among men, whereby we must be sozo. Is he talking about going to heaven? Come on. Is this hard to see? He's not. He's talking about being whole. Yes, if you're saved, you'll go to heaven. If you believe that Jesus paid the price for your sins. Of course. Because we're not only saved from physical issues, we're saved from the curse of sin. We're saved from the power of sin. I think we're going to get into that next week. That's all we got time for. How you doing? Wasn't that good? Are you all right? Ha, ha, ha. God's so good. I just don't care. I really don't. I'm going to preach this Amen. like it's 1999, as Prince said. Is that what he said? I don't know. <laughs> Jennifer, come on up here. We're going to party like it's 1999. You know that one? No. We have to learn that one. That's a jam. <laughs> Hallelujah! I'm so done with anything less than Jesus. I'm just so done with it. There's nothing else. He's it. Lord, we're so glad. What a fun day. Lord, we embrace you. Why not? There's no one like you. We let go of every fear, of any teaching contrary to what you revealed to us in your word, through your son, through, you, through your ministry, Jesus. Father, through your son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Continue to equip us and strengthen us in the revelation of the Father's salvation. That the true gospel would be preached by your people everywhere we go. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. 
If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.